Episode 2 of Shaping America, a podcast about the formation of an American identity and how the experiences of individual Americans fit into the national story of community, culture, freedom, values, and tradition. This episode's story is about Myra. My name is Marina Garcia, and I'm the host of Shaping America, a podcast about the formation of an American identity and how this identity is shaped through our experiences with community, resources, politics, immigration, citizenship, and family. In this episode, I will be interviewing Myra, a former military brat with transcontinental roots, about her life and identity as a California resident and how her identity fits into the greater identity of Californians as a whole. Myra, who is 70 years old, also happens to be my maternal grandmother. As I know only my maternal family, I have a very close relationship with my grandmother. And yet, while I've known my grandmother my entire life, I was still entirely unfamiliar with the complex and rural details of her childhood. Originally born on a United States Air Force base in Kearney, Nebraska, Myra's family relocated to Castle Air Force Base in Atwater, California before she was two years old. Throughout her childhood, her family relocated twice more to Manila and Quezon City in the Philippines and Curry, New Mexico before returning to Atwater and establishing permanent California roots. Myra is the second eldest of eight children, a first-generation American, and the first university graduate of her family. I'm, my name is Myra, and I'm 70 years old, and I'm now from San Diego County. Um, but where are you originally from? Originally? Yep. Uh, well, I was born in Kearney, Nebraska. I was there for just a few months of life and then moved to California. Uh, stayed in California until I was 12. My dad was military, so we went overseas when I was 12. Uh, lived in the Philippines for three years, came back, then moved to New Mexico for two years, and then back to California. So, so all over the place. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I've traveled, uh, uh, you know, short trips all over the place, all over the world. But um, But you always end up coming back here? Yes, and California is, I consider my home. Your home. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about your childhood? What was your childhood like and what were you like as a child? Well, I was the second eldest of, uh, my mother had nine children. So I was the second eldest. So my childhood and being military, um, it's like a subculture of America, um, being military is you it's like you're a part of a larger family um and I wasn't a big family anyway but it's like in the military you're really part of a bigger family and um my childhood my dad was a sergeant and my mother was an immigrant to the country she uh came here um after my oldest sister was born uh, my father was originally from Michigan, so he was um, um, he was a farm boy, grew up on a farm, and um, his parents were Im- immigrants, or at least his father was. 
Myra's time in the Central Valley and her perspectives about the rest of the state don't really deviate from others' experiences of California at the time. California historian Kevin Starr describes California as an agricultural state and a suburban and small-town state characterized by conservative values, which honestly fits in with my grandmother's childhood. When you were living in California as a child, where did you live? Um, initially. In, initially, well, when my parents drove out from Nebraska, got assigned to California, um, they ended up in the Central Valley. Castle Air Force Base was a, is no longer a base there, but it was the home of the B-52s. And uh, my dad was Air Force. And um, there, it was, a, the town was very, very tiny. Of course, I don't remember entirely because I was only a year old, but um, there weren't uh, places actually to rent. And my parents, uh, my parents actually ended up renting a garage. Oh my gosh! And I lived then. My mom and dad, my older sister who was also a baby, and myself, uh, you know, a year old. And then my mother had a baby every year. And then my brother was born too in 1949. We lived in the garage of a house. And as soon as the house became available, that the people moved out, then the um, uh, uh, my parents were able to um, secure the house to, for us to live in oh, nice. because of, by then there were five, not, uh, you know, five of us in the household, yeah. you know, in the garage. So, um, yes, yeah, so we ended up then in the in a little house which has remained in the family. Actually, it was out of the family, and but there was I guess uh, so many ties to it that it has come back into the family. We grew up in that time where children and families uh, did a lot of things together, ate meals together, um, uh, we'd go for walks, we'd have to like close up the house and then you get those big mosquito can things and you spray the house for the mosquitoes and you take a walk around a couple of blocks, everybody else will be out walking They've also sprayed their house was for mosquitoes. In, this was a thing in the Central Valley? Uh, yeah, it was like everybody did this. You sprayed your house for the mosquitoes, and then you, you know, which I guess is poisonous now, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, but, you know, so we wouldn't breathe it in. Then we went for a walk, you know. Oh, funny. And we'd have dinner. It was like a routine, you know, and take the dog out. And while we all walk, and, and all the families are out walking. Oh, funny. All the families are out walking, you know, and, uh. And then come back to the house. And it was like, uh, there wasn't television. We had radio. And um, would listen to radio programs. And um, uh, we'd sit there on the floor. And we just would imagine what was happening. Oh. The area of California that you lived in, around Castle Air Force Base, how would you describe that town? Well, it was a military town. Uh, but it was also a farming community. So Atwater, um, California. Atwater, California. It was basically a farming community, and um, uh, but the but with the base being there, the economics of the town really depended on the base. So there was a very nice relationship between the base and the community that that I actually did love, and I think it was excellent for families. That's good. And uh, so I have to say that you know I. I lucked out that way. 
do you feel like how does your perception of Atwater fit into your perception of California as a whole? Does it fit with your general ideas about California? Um, you know, I, when I was a child, I, uh, up to the age of 12, I didn't really get out of the, the Central Valley. Um, the, we didn't have freeways at the time. And so traveling around California was extremely limited. You just really didn't go. Um, so my view of, of, of California was small, rural, agricultural towns I mean I thought every place had orchards and horses and <laughs> you know and and everything smelled like dairies and you know and 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 uh, I found out that you know I mean California is like a million different environments you know because of it now I have lived in, in both Northern California Southern California you know and the Central Valley and and you know, I've I've experienced living more coastal. I've experienced living in the mountains. I lived in the Santa Cruz Mountains. We built a house on the on a mountain ridge up in the uh, up there, which was, you know, very interesting. It's to be noted that is next to Steve Wozniak's ex-wife. Yeah, <laughs> my neighbor, my neighbor. Uh, yeah, Los Gatos. It was uh, it was an uh, interesting. So you went from farm and I, town and to, I worked, and I to worked, tech town, and I worked. Yeah, and I worked in some of the tech areas there. So, my my life. Um, I think I've been married most of my life. I've been married twice. My first marriage was thirty years. My second marriage has been almost twenty years. Um, so fifty out of seventy. That's some, right. That's a right, ratio. Right. Of of mar- of being married, yeah. So and having children and grandchildren and great grandchild now. So, but I my my life ha- is not centered totally around family. It's like extremely important to me. It's always number one for me, but uh, of extreme importance to me has always been work because the work ethic was just totally drummed in my head. And I worked for, I formerly worked for 45 years. Um, my field was in education. Um, I never thought of myself as becoming a teacher. I always thought I was going to go into the medical field. Uh, but I didn't have the money to do that. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, I put myself pretty much through school, through my master's degrees and uh, in education, and I worked 45 years, um, starting in the private school systems and then into the public school systems, but I was, I had a very interesting job um, for about 25 years. I worked for a county office of education, and I eventually got up to the position where I was the coordinator of instruction, and I, um, I, actually ran a number of programs and I supervised a lot of people and I did a lot of the human resources. I, I've done a lot of the hiring and in the evaluations and everything of teachers and principals and um, uh, I was an, uh, I was an administrator. I have to say it, it I think I did it pretty good, but it's not a natural for me. I'm not a natural boss. So 
I had to work at it and it wasn't something that I enjoyed. I enjoyed teaching much more than I enjoyed being an administrator, but I felt like as an administrator, I was able to uh, create the change that I wanted to create. And I was able to protect people being in that position. And I just did not want to be in the position where I had to be at the mercy of somebody else. So uh, I, you still are, you still have bosses, but I, I always felt like in that position, I was able to do more than, than, a, than if I was just restricted to one thing. Um, so I ran migrant education programs. I worked with migrant populations for about 25 years. I learned many, many things about the culture. Um, I guess during my lifetime that I've lived in California, I experienced through the 60s, I experienced the hippie movement, the, the liberation of, and the clash with the, with the conservative culture. Um, I, I lived through that, being, uh, being a, a resident at dorm, uh, at the Baker Hall dorm in Fresno, which was famous for the protests and the sit-ins in the 60s, um, the Vietnam protests. Um, I was a part of that, and then, um, not willingly, sort of, because it was just, it was my roommate was, was involved with that, and I was tagging along. But um, I also feel like I, 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 uh, experienced a lot of the civil rights movements too. I wasn't aware of the race problems of the Hispanics until I started working with migrant uh, communities. With migrant communities and then I experienced in the very beginning in the uh, let's see it was been 1973 I think. Mhm. Mm 1973 when I was first hired on, um, there were, I didn't realize the extent of discrimination of the Hispanics until I was, was right in the middle of it. Because I was surprised uh, in my position that I was in, I had to meet with school administrators, school principals, and, and you know, it depended on the, upon the individual, but I was there looking out for the rights of migrant children, and they were like, at that time, they were made to sit in the back of the classrooms, or in the hallways, or they would make makeshift closets, and they'd they'd have an aide, and an aide sit in the closet with them, and 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 they were like because they didn't speak English the teachers ignored them and didn't talk to them and they would give them a box of crayons and a paper. And that was what they did all day long. This is when I started. In the with, 70s. In the 70s. When I came in, one of my jobs was to learn everything I possibly could because I didn't know any, I didn't know what to do either, but mm -hmm. I had to learn. So I was taught what to do and then I had to turn around and I had to like teach the teachers. I went from district to district. I covered the whole valley. I went up and down California because I became like an expert in English as a second language, which they didn't even know about. Mm -hmm. 
and it was like, oh, this new thing called English as a second language. You can, you know, mm -hmm. how do you teach the, uh, the children to speak English so that, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and so, you know, I, I learned as much as I possibly could and I, I taught teachers mm -hmm. what to do, but I came up against discrimination quite often that I was like mm -hmm. surprised, but I couldn't like, I couldn't like, uh, become angry or say yeah. something about it because you had to always be able to work with people. I had a principal one time, her first name is Mary, I'll say her last name, <laughs> and she used to, when I would come in, she'd say, oh, you're here for those wet back children again, and... You know, and then she would go on and on and on about how worthless, you know, it was and and how, you know, and and she wasn't the only one. I mean, I would come across these administrators and they would say this to me. Mm -hmm. Oh, many, many times I experienced discrimination for the children. Mm -hmm. And um, this particular principal... Uh, because, like I said, I worked for over 25 years in the field. I got to see this particular principal go from that position of being a complete racist um, to going through a personal situation where her only child, her daughter, married a black man. Mm -hmm. She then had grandchildren who she adored. And her views and everything just, it was like a whole world opened up to her mm -hmm. about more than tolerance. Mm -hmm. And towards the end of the 25-year period that she became probably one of the people that I could rely on. Oh, funny. To uh, help the children that I wanted to get help mm -hmm. for. Now, when I think about the 1970s and migrant farm working populations in the state of California, mm -hmm. one of the first events that comes to my mind is the migrant farm working strikes during the 70s. Yes. How did that um, <laughs> affect you? Um, and Or how did you see that in, in your place in the world and in your workplace? Right. So, I like I said, I was learning the whole situation as it was going on. It's interesting when, when things happen... It's not like you have the view of history and you can say, oh, this is what should be done and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and so Cesar Chavez is going to become important and famous and they're actually going to have a day for him. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> Cesar Chavez was like, oh my gosh, you know, it was like, oh, uh, well, we better not eat grapes, you know. Yeah. And why? I said, why? Why are, you know, I didn't know. I was learning with everybody mm -hmm. else. Um but uh, it's so so history kind of unravels itself mm -hmm. in the moment. You're learning in the moment, and mm -hmm. you don't know if you're doing the right thing or not. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you question yourself all the time. You know, I was working for a, I was working, you know, pretty much for a federal program, mm -hmm. and the federal program was was. was um, you know, they were the proponents of civil rights, and I was pushing for, for humane treatment of of these children that were being kept in family labor centers. Oh, 
And uh, even now, I mean, I've had people ask me, I didn't know we had family labor centers. I knew about the Bracero program. I didn't know we brought families over and put them in camps. Yes, we did. 